This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. In this episode, we will talk to Mitch Lightfoot, national champion for the University of Kansas men's basketball team. Don't know if you saw this, but uh, the Jayhawks won the national championship last week. Kind of flew under the radar. It's really a feel-good story about uh, an upstart program that uh, found a way against all odds to win it all. We'll talk to Mitch uh, now that his career is over and ending his career in storybook fashion He's one of the best, man. He's, he's fun to talk to and uh, excited to, to get his perspective on last week and what ended up being a very fruitful and memory-filled Kansas career. But I'm going to start today with a very sports talk radio open. So if you're really looking for some, I don't know, intellectual think piece, some deep dive into college basketball or Kansas or that national championship, uh, this probably isn't the one for you. But I still hope that it's a fun conversation because it's something that kind of started on Twitter a couple days ago and it had me thinking about specifically Ochai. So let's just get into it. It was actually Derek Johnson and the guys over at Rock Chalk Sports Talk who tweeted this out and maybe they talked about it on air. If so, wow, I'm really turning into a hacky podcast they they were asking where Ochai belongs in terms of the all-time greats at KU. Is he a top five player? Is he a top 10 player? Is he a top 20 player? Let's start right there. Anybody who says that Ochai Abaji is not one of the top 20 players in Kansas history, leave. You are not allowed to speak in this conversation, okay? That's the only barometer we're going to put on this. I got to thinking that before this season began, there were a very clear-cut top nine, and then that's where I thought the separation began. That's where I thought the discussion began. And you can put them in whatever order you want, but the top nine heading into the 2022 season, in some order, Will Chamberlain, Danny Manning, Frank Mason, Darnell Valentine... Rafe LaFrance, Clyde Lavellet, Nick Collison, Paul Pierce, and JoJo White. I say clear cut. The only one, the only one that I think you could make it that you could say is not in that that upper echelon, that top nine, that top ten would be JoJo White. Which is funny because if you look back on his uh, total career, you could argue that he is top three, top four in terms of college plus NBA history. His college stats are great, but he played in late 60s on some teams that 
Uh, didn't have a ton of success in the tournament, but historical greatness, that's fine. If you want to say that JoJo White's not in there, that's that's totally fine. The one pushback that I got more than anything else, though, was when I tried to factor in where Ochai belonged. And I have Ochai in the top 10. I think you look at not just the, the sum of his career, but also what he did this season. It's nearly impossible to say that Ochai Baji is not one of the top 10 players in Kansas basketball history. Everybody was asking me for criteria. I put Ochai at number nine, right ahead of JoJo White. Everybody was asking, okay, what's the criteria here? What are you asking for? What are you basing it off of? And I get it because you get specific answers from specific questions. But sometimes you don't need to make it more difficult than it needs to be. Is it the best career? Is it about having the best season? Is it about who was the most talented, most accomplished? We're talking legacy here, okay? Ochai's Kansas career is now over. This is the time when it's appropriate to discuss his legacy and what he leaves behind. His resume is complete. Do you look back on his time at Kansas and say, that was a top 10 career? That's the question we're asking here. Most of the complaints I got were about omissions instead of guys I included, which is how this works. I got about 25 different suggestions of guys who deserve to be in the top 10. I can't, I, but despite my best efforts, I cannot put 30 guys in my top 10. I have to make a cut somewhere, and that's where I made it. The, the two guys who were mentioned the most in order of how did you leave them out, how could you possibly leave them out, were Kirk Heinrich and Sharon Collins. Everybody wanted to know, how could I possibly put Ochai Baji over Kirk Heinrich? Ochai had the better season, and he has the title to, to show for it, right? This is what people were saying, but Kirk was better for longer. Kirk was great, and he was playing behind some really good players, some other All-Americans, and Nick Collison and Drew Gooden. Let's just first look at Ochai's case, okay? And then we can get to Kirk if you want. This is where Ochai's statistical. We'll do first stats This is where his final ranks are at Kansas. He finished with 1,652 points. That ranks 15th all-time. This season, as a senior, he had 732 points. That's the eighth most in a single season in Kansas history. And you got to realize game numbers fluctuate, so take that into account. How about three-point field goals in a season? He had 250 this year. That's fourth all-time. He... For his career, averaged 13.5 points. And this is the interesting one. 13.5 points for his career. And over the last 30 seasons at Kansas, so dating back to the 1993 season, that ranks eighth. And to put some context into that, here are some guys who is he is ahead of in terms of career points per game, career scoring average. These are the guys that Ochai is ahead of over the last 30 years at Kansas. He's ahead of Sharon. He's ahead of Frank Mason. He's ahead of Perry Ellis. He's ahead of Kirk Heinrich, Devontae Graham, Mario Chalmers, Keith Langford. The list goes on. It's actually easier for me to name you the only guys who, across the course of their careers, since 1993, have averaged more points per game than Ochai did. Paul Pierce, Rafe LaFrench, Drew Gooden, Wayne Simeon, Devon Dotson, Nick Collison, Brandon Rush. All of those guys either already have their names hanging in the rafters or are going to have their names hanging in the rafters in the case of Devon Dotson. 
This isn't a case about Ochai getting his jersey retired. That's already going to happen. I just want to put some perspective here on his career because for everybody who wants to tell me that, well, he had one good season, those other guys had better careers, why was he a, a better scorer than those guys? Because it's important to remember, Ochai played way less games than guys like Sharon and Kirk and Devontae and Perry Ellis because he only played basically two-thirds of a season his freshman year. I think it was 20-some-odd games as a freshman because he was redshirting, and then he got his redshirt pulled. So he played 122 games. Guys like Kirk and Sharon played over 140. And then you look at games started, he had 116, even despite that. Think about that. He missed basically a third of a season, close to half of his season his freshman year. He still ranks 10th all-time in games started at Kansas. The accolades speak for themselves. Two-time Big 12 champ, first-team All-Big 12, Big 12 Player of the Year, Big 12 Tournament Player of the Year, consensus first-team All-American. He was a finalist for the Wooden Award. He won a national championship, and he was the Final Four MOP. If you want to argue that Kirk or Sharon or anybody else deserves to be ahead of him, that's that's great. Those are popular guys. Those are fan favorites. Uh, We get nostalgic about our eras. And that's what I think this is about more than anything else is you go back to your childhood, your peak as a Kansas fan. And I could tell how old people were are when they were telling me who I omitted. Like the second somebody said, where are Embiid and Wiggins in your top 10? I said, okay, you're 17 years old. Whenever somebody said, where's Kirk at? Right, where's Drew Gooden? I go, okay, you're about 30 or so. And when people said, where's Dave Robish and Bud Stallworth? I said, okay, you're what, 50 around retirement age, maybe 60, 65. And that's fine. All of those guys are great. Maybe Dave Robish does deserve to be in there. Maybe Bud Stallworth does deserve to be in there. But that's the thing. Again, to be in the top 10, you got to have everything. You have to check every single box. And there is not a box that Ochai Baji doesn't check. There's the argument about recency bias or overvaluing a guy because of a title. Like you're just giving him the extra bump because of the title. Uh, Yeah, I am. If KU wouldn't have won a national championship, I'm probably not putting Ochai in there. But that's the thing about it. Because, listen, I get it. It's hard to win championships. The tournament can be a crapshoot. It's fickle, whatever. But it's still the ultimate barometer for success in sports, winning championships. It still matters. You can say that you overvalue it, but like, I, I, what, where's, the, where's the cutoff point there? Because at some point, it does mean something. It's the reason we all do this. It's the reason these coaches coach. It's the reason the players play. It's the reason why it sucks when your team loses in the tournament every year. And it's the reason why everybody around these parts is still riding a high over the last week because your team, for the first time in 14 years and for only the fourth time in program history, won an NCAA title. It still matters a lot. And he wasn't just a guy on the title team. Ochai was the guy. He was one of the five best players in the country. He was a leader. He was everything you could ever ask for as a fan. And that's where his argument ultimately lies. Because if you want to split hairs and talk about total careers, some guys had multiple all-Big 12 seasons. Some guys had multiple all-American type seasons. That's okay. Fine. And I have Ochai ahead of them. How many of those guys, though, would trade their careers for Ochai's? How many of those guys would rather leave behind the legacy that Ochai will at Kansas. Let's just make a new rule moving forward, okay? Because we can simplify this argument. If you're the Big 12 Player of the Year, and you're a first-team All-American, and you're a national champion, and you're a Final Four MOP, 
we automatically vault you into the top 10. Because as of right now, that's an incredibly short list at Kansas. And until we get more than 10 of those guys at that program, that's the new criteria moving forward. Until there's no more room, at which point we can rehash this conversation. It's all silly and subjective and fun, and that's kind of the point of it. But I just don't know how you could argue Ochai isn't one of the top 10 players in the history of this program. And that's saying a hell of a lot. All right, Mitch Lightfoot, Kansas basketball player, national champion. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Late Monday night last week, or what I would assume to be early Tuesday morning, what time did Head hit the pillow in New Orleans? Uh, it, was a, it was a great night. Uh, we walked off the court. I looked at my phone. It was like 11.10. So we, uh, we ended up getting back to the hotel at like 1-ish. Um, but uh, now, bet head did not hit the pillow till about seven. And was up, was up at uh, was up at nine for oh no nine thirty for breakfast, and then we were on the bus at eleven. So not a whole hell of a lot of sleep since then. Been trying to catch up, but uh, it was it was a crazy experience, and it's one of those experiences where it's all right if you miss some sleep. Yeah, I'm sure you're running off uh, pure adrenaline at that point. Which oh, is, it's, sure. it's sure. got to be interesting for you because I'd imagine that's the first game of your college career. And I've talked to some other guys in the past about this, where it's the only game of your college career where you knew that was it, no matter what. Win or lose, like that was going to be it for you. And I don't know if that's like adding extra pressure or if, they're, if, if it's freeing. Like what's that kind of build up to that final game, just knowing that it's your last game and also you know that it's the biggest game of your career. I would say it's more freeing because, like, uh, you look at all these other games, like, hey, this could be it. I mean, this could be my last game. I mean, I pray it's not, but it could be. This could be my last practice. Uh, but when you're uh, when you're walking out of Allen Fieldhouse off, off the practice court for the last time, like, headed to a Final Four, like, this is the last time I'll practice in Allen Fieldhouse. That's when it kind of – that's really the only time it's really hit me, like, hey, this is it. Like, um, because ever since the national championship, it's kind of been, like, a movie unreal. Like I don't think it's really sunk in yet, but yeah, walking off the court in Elm field house for the last time was or the, the court in the practice gym in the field house for the last time was, it was kind of really the only time that I've been like, damn, no, this is it. Has it, go, uh, most of it, has it still not sunk in a week later? No, no, it, it, it definitely hasn't. Um, I still, we still talk about it. Like we're, everybody's working out. So we're all around the locker room pretty, pretty frequently, but so talking about how it's like, dude, we won a national championship. Like, what, what the heck? Like, that's like un, unreal. Um, so happy for like all the guys on the team because like we've we've talked about this all year. We we've this has been we've talked about being able to do this. We've we've been locked in on this goal. We haven't been satisfied with anything. I mean, we won the league, and that was like, yeah, okay, like let's go do what we came here to do and win a national championship. So we were able to do that. So in your six years, that's a rarity in and of itself. I know you've heard all the jokes by now, but in your six years, it's basically every other year where you guys were in a, in a, in a position to contend for a title. 2018, you guys go to the Final Four. 2020, obviously didn't have a chance to play in the tournament, but you guys would have been the number one overall seed and the favorite to win it all. And then this year, actually winning it. Having the experiences that you've had, of having those sorts of seasons and the ones in between where maybe you weren't quite on that same level, did you develop like a, the ability to sense like when teams things were kind of clicking at the right time when maybe entering the postseason or leading up to the postseason you felt like things were coming together in a way that might be a little bit different? 
Yeah, uh, you, you can kind of sense that. Um, obviously, the the teams that were uh, better teams, like it's easier to feel that. But um, the years we had down 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 years, yeah, we uh, it, you kind of have that feeling where it's like, man, we're fighting game by game. Like, like it, I don't know, it just doesn't feel the same as, as the locker room does when when we're uh, when we're all so cohesive and we're all ready to play a unit. Um, kind of like this year did and then 2020 and then in back in 2018. So there's, there's a, there's a bunch of different times. I mean, even my first year here, we went to elite eight, like that team was super connected, like just happened. So happened that we faced Oregon who was, who was hot and a bad matchup. So it's, it's just, uh, I've been a part of some, some pretty good teams and this team, it's the closest team I've been a part of. This is a, this is a team that really, we, we understood each other and then, and, and that showed out on the court. Yeah, Bill said that after the game, like immediate aftermath, right outside the locker room. He said that you guys, and he says this all the time, and it's kind of, he even admitted it's sort of coach speak, but he said that you guys were probably as close of a team as he's had. And he said that he had never felt as connected to a team as he had this year. What, what was it about you guys? Was there, a, was there a commonality that you guys had? Was it just like belief in a common goal? What do you think it was that brought you guys so close together this year? We had a team that had been around coach for a while. I mean, everybody, everybody that played, I mean, and with the exemption of Remy, uh, significant minutes had been around for three plus years. You have guys that are around for four years, five years, six years. Uh, there's a, there's definitely a, a, a an understanding of each other. Uh, coach knows that he's going to get out of us. He knows he can trust us, trust us, and and he knows that we're all we all want the same thing that he does. It's never a question of. Uh, effort for us. He knows we're going to go out there and give it our best effort. And uh, it's all about coaching. It's all about coaching X and O's at that point. Uh, you don't really need to coach effort. You can coach the X's and the O's. Yeah. What's kind of funny is, is this is the kind of stuff that comes out when you win a title. If you guys don't win at all, I don't know how much of this stuff comes like, but Bill, I mean, coach saying afterwards that you guys almost like, he's never had a team that wanted to sort of stick it to him whenever he would challenge you guys or would want to come back to him and sort of prove him wrong. But uh, I'm, I'm just curious, was that a unspoken thing or was that sort of like something you guys would also bond over? It's like, okay, he thinks we're not athletic enough. He thinks we're not this or that. Like, let's go out and show him. Um, I wouldn't say that we were out there to stick it to him, but uh, it's kind of like, after the fact, looking back on it, like, hey, we're pretty athletic, I guess. The uh, fastest team they getting up, getting out in transition in the country, uh, pretty athletic when it comes to like dunking and guarding and explosiveness and all that. So, uh, no, nah, it was just, it was just us after the fact, uh, being able to say, Hey, we're, we, we changed what we stepped up to that challenge and changed what needed to be changed in order for us to be successful. And uh, we, we were able to, to do that. What do you think changed for you down the stretch defensively and as a team? I was looking at these numbers yesterday. You had 20 blocks in the regular season. You had 14 in the, in the Big 12 tournament and the, and the postseason or in the NCAA tournament combined. And as a team, it just seemed like there was an intensity level defensively that was above and beyond what we saw in the regular season. What did you notice? I mean, everybody's got to play their best in March if you want the, op- if you want the opportunity to be successful. And uh, it all starts on the defensive end. Uh, defense wins championships and we know we knew that and, uh, going into each and every game we had to understand that hey if we can if we can guard make other people play worse than us then that gives us a great opportunity to win uh, we did that 
Uh, I think we did that majority of the tournament, except for two halves. Uh, you saw that half against uh, Miami and that half against against uh, UNC, where we uh, we kind of kind of got away from that defensive mindset, but uh, we were able to fix it in that second half. A uh, few things uh, less important in life than a score at halftime, so. We're gonna we're gonna take uh we're gonna be able to take that and learn from it and they came out there and were able to play our best ball. How much of DFAB what you can do in on defense is just energy and intensity versus like the bodies, the length, the measurables and stuff like that? Yeah, it goes into a lot. I mean, you're gonna try harder than the other person and it gives you the opportunity to, to play better on defense. Um just going out there and being able to, to contest shots around the rim, make the other guy think first before he goes to the hoop, whether that be like blocking a shot or taking a charge or, or being in help defense. Um, our guards are so good at being able to help off a, help off a, a drivers and get back to shooters. Um, so many things like that, that, that make it, uh, make it difficult for a team to, to really get any, uh, uncontested looks or, uh, one-on-one drives They're always having to beat one and a half people. So stuff like that really makes the team better defensively. You spent four year seasons around Ochai and you saw him from the very beginning to, what he became this year as a senior, which was one of the best players in the country. What stood out to you about his growth specifically as a leader? I think for him, it's just he, he bled by example his entire time he was here. And this year, it was more of a vocal thing as well. He, he incorporated being a vocal leader, um, was able to inspire others by how hard he worked. I mean, I've, said, I've been quoted saying this in the past. Like every time I show up in the locker room, I get there pretty damn early to practice and he's been in there already got a workout in sweating, sweating his butt off, just sitting down to share. I'm like, we have practice and we've got, we've just had three games in six days. Like, Oh my gosh, what? but dude works his butt off. Um, on the court, he, was, he did a great job of getting everybody together and making sure we're all locked in on the same page, knowing the next four, next possession, next four minutes are going to, they're going to be able to change the game. And that's all we can worry about. Can't worry about stuff that happened in the past. Can't worry about, things is going to happen beyond that four minutes. So he's a, an inspirational leader, but also incorporated uh, incorporated vocal leadership into his, in, into his repertoire this year. Was that something you noticed immediately? Like, a, I don't know when the, when you guys all got back together uh, during the off season, but when did that sort of hit you that, okay, maybe this guy's taking it to a different level? Uh, I think it was more of like a, once the games hit, like you see that in the game, like that's when you're, really able to see what, what, what they're ready to put into it. And, uh, he, he definitely showed that from the, from the beginning and it got better throughout the year, but it, it was very apparent when we, we first started playing games. What about you individually, your game this year from the outside looking in, it seemed like in terms of role and settling into one this year, looked about as comfortable as you had been. Maybe it was just less fluctuation in the front court between bodies. I know that Zach and KJ got some run, but it was kind of you and Dave, for the lion's share of the season. And I remember at one point watching a game, Fran Priscilla, who's always calling your guys games. He had, he had said, he goes, you know, Mitch life, he's pretty much unstoppable over that left shoulder. And I was like, is it? I was like, is he? And I don't think you missed another one the rest of the season. What, what happened with you? How did you feel with your game this year? Did you feel like more settled, more comfortable? What, how would you kind of analyze yourself? I would say it was a lot more comfortable. Uh, I knew all the, all the guys in the team had confidence confidence in me to do to do my role. Um, I know uh, they every day in practice they'd throw me the ball inside and tell me to score, and then I was pretty confident going over that left shoulder. Uh, 
it's basically a, an easy way to score for me. Um, give us an extra a basket when we need it. Um, give us a give us an outlet when maybe things aren't when a play breaks down. So did it feel unstoppable to, to you? Um, I got pretty hot there for a little bit. Not gonna lie, <laughs> I had I had the head coach self told me. Mitch, quit passing it. Shoot it. I'm like, oh, well, if you're telling me, I guess I will. <laughs> so, I think uh, that that had something to do with it, but it was, it was really cool. When you guys talk about confidence, and that seems to be like a, a theme, and you were even talking about this, I think, the week uh, before you guys left for <laughs> New Orleans. I don't know if there's anybody in the country more confident than CB. And yeah. I, don't, I don't know if yeah. you saw the compilation of him. No, the, the the screaming compilation that came out on Twitter a couple of days ago, which was hilarious. There's a that is quite the confident guy. He's not lacking at all. How contagious is that for the rest of the team? Uh, it's huge for us. Uh, you think about it. I mean, every I think CB is a very confident person. Uh, he shows it a lot. Ochai is a very confident person. Uh, you got you going out there. You're gonna have in Dewan, Remy. Dave, like everybody from the top, out of that first seven guys is, is are pretty confident, and I think everybody else feeds off that as well. And uh, we feed off each other's confidence, and it gives us the ability to go out there and and play a game that that doesn't have much uh, doesn't have much um, hesitancy in it. Uh, that which is which is good because if you if you if you hesitate, you're lost, and and uh, you can't play basketball being lost. I know you guys want this for yourselves, you want it for each other, but. Being a program guy like yourself, you mentioned it earlier, so many guys who have spent so long under Coach Self and knowing he's a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest coaches to ever do it, certainly one of the, the best currently coaching. What does it mean to get him yeah. his second title? It means, it means everything. Uh, being able to give him that is, is so special. He works so dang hard for us, and, and he fights for us every single day. Uh, he's He's the best. Like when I tell you like his mind of basketball is just so, so far ahead of anything I've ever seen before. Like he's forgotten way more than I'll ever know about basketball. And uh, it's just so cool to be able to, to sit back and, and, and play for somebody like that because he, he, he breaks the game down. He's always reading what's happening. Uh, you think you, you think you map something out or you think like he'll put you like, sometimes they'll like, Hey, go on the red team. And you think, Hey, I'm going to play hard. And, uh, I'm going to play hard and get that back and prove him wrong. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, he's running a backdoor, uh, backdoor play against you and you give up a dunk and makes you look, uh, silly, but no, he, he, uh, he knows the game so well. Uh, he knows his players so well. He, he really knows how to get the best out of each and every one of us. And that, that is, uh, it's, it's special. It really is. Um, there's not enough I can say about coach really the best. He's the best. So I want to get a little off topic here because it's it's interesting now seeing we're at the stage where guys are making decisions as to whether they're they're going to come back or not. Last year, I don't know how much you guys knew was coming, but it seemed pretty obvious on the horizon that eventually this NIL stuff was going to get passed and that the NCAA didn't have any rules set out so that it was going to kind of be this sort of free-for-all of everybody trying to figure out what to do. How much, how prepared were you and what was that like in the beginning stages and, and how you sort of saw this thing grow throughout the year? Uh, prepared wise, not really. Uh, I kind of had to learn on the fly. Uh, one day after coach self camp, I mean, they got us all in the, the locker room and said, Hey, this is getting ready to happen. 
uh, gave us some kind of knowledge about it and kind of went from there. Um, I, uh, I tried to get on it as, as much as I could learn as much as I, I could about it, uh, just cause I was interested in it. And obviously I had a chance to benefit my teammates and I, so, uh, being an older guy, I can kind of help them navigate it a little bit. Um, and I feel like I've been able to do that. It's been exciting being able to see my teammates uh, be, be, uh, be, um, compensated for their name image likeness. And, and, uh, they have been, and it's, it's, that's been a, it's been a positive, I think. And think looking around college basketball overall, it's been a positive or college basketball and college sports. Uh, you see guys that are, they're coming back because they have the ability to, to make some money while they're in college and, uh, they don't have to make uh, rash decisions, whether that be to, to go try and play beyond it or do something that they, they aren't ready for. So I think it's, I think it's, I think it's special and, and it'll give us the ability to, to hopefully have some older teams in college basketball, some more experienced teams in college basketball, and also teams that are, that are compensated from the top down. Yeah. Do you think it will change guys' decisions, guys who maybe aren't the, the surefire lottery picks or the surefire first round picks? I mean, I can't speak for anybody, obviously in particular, but I, I think uh, in general it can because obviously they're going to have the ability to, to, to make some money in college and support not only themselves, but their families. And, and, and uh, some people need that and, and it'll, uh, it'll definitely, I think, impact it from a financial position wise. So what's next for you? Um, you got, you heard all the jokes about sticking around for six years and this guy must be coming be an, a doctor. You got two degrees, right? Yeah, I've got a, I've got a bachelor's in economics, the minor in business and a master's in sports management. So you've got, and then you've got the degree in Kansas basketball, which is uh, proven to be pretty valuable over the I've years. I've got the degree in playing for coach self. Uh, you learn, you learn quite a bit doing that. So what do you want to do next? Like what's, uh, do you, do you have any idea my, what the immediate future is going to hold? My goal right now, I, I would like to go uh, play overseas and continue to play from everybody I've talked to. They, they, they look guys, ex, ex uh, KU guys and, and guys that moved on, whether that be into the professional basketball world or, or business world. Uh, everybody looks back and says, Hey, don't have any, what ifs, uh, go and do it. Enjoy, enjoy, uh, enjoy basketball. Um, if you still love the game and if you still have a drive and desire for it and a passion for it and, and continue to do it. And that's what I want to do. Um, and then after that, I think, uh, coaching is something that I, that I really have a, an, an interest in. Um, I feel like it's, it's my passion and, uh, being a basketball is my passion and being able to stick around that would be, would be special. And I feel like I've kind of done a decent job of helping, helping some of the new guys grow over the years of being here. I mean, shoot, you stay around for 10 years and <laughs> you can, you, you can teach somebody something. Yeah. Well, you made a lot of memories. I think honestly, my favorite play of yours, uh, was not on the court was at the victory parade. Uh, when the guy throws you the beer, what kind of beer was it? Do you know? Uh, I think it was at Natty Light. Oh. Uh, well, it uh, came out of nowhere, but I was kind of like turning my head at the last second and I saw Chris reach for something. So I was like, shoot, I got to catch that. That was full extension. I mean, that yeah, was, no, that was a, a smooth move. Like OBJ, but, uh, no, it was, uh, it was funny. Uh, I kind of, I thought I'd saw something on Twitter about, about that before. And I was like, you know what? If it happens, it happens. And I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna, not gonna not do it. So might as well. But uh, no, I looked over at Chris after that, and I go, yeah, I think I'm peaking right now. This is uh, <laughs> this is a, this is a cool moment. And uh, no, that parade was insane. So many people out there 
the guy, everybody on our team had a blast from coaches to players, to managers, to support staff. It was, it was super special to be able to see everybody be recognized and all that support we felt. Um, but yeah, that was my, uh, that was my Pat Mahomes moment. Yeah. And, and I'll, and I'll let you go on this because, uh, you've been generous with your time, but six years and you've been dubbed Mr. Jayhawk. You, you've heard it all by now. And I'm, I can't imagine scripting anything any better for somebody who's spent so much time and given so much of his, his time to this program to, to go out with this team, with a bunch of dudes who are also guys who have been around for three or four years and to win a title on a team that I don't know how you guys felt internally, but externally, even as a one seed, there weren't a ton of people picking you guys to win the title and into March. Yeah. It, it, it's, uh, it's insane. Like being able to play with these group of guys for the amount of time we did, um, I was talking to CB about it and he was like, when I first got here, I was supposed to get one year, play with you for one year. And now we're going on, this has been year three. So it's, uh, it's pretty special, um, to see them, to these guys grow up, uh, what a way to go out. Um, not a lot of guys get to end their college career on a win. Uh, really only one team a year does. I mean, unless, unless you don't make the tournament, but it's pretty special. Um, I'm uh, blessed to be able to play for this team, blessed to be able to play with these guys uh, for coach for the KU fans. Um, really has been one of the, the greatest honor of my life and I've, uh, wouldn't trade it for the world. Could have done a lot of different things, but I never, uh, never, never wanted to switch up on, on KU and I never would. Well, congratulations, man. I hope it sinks in for you soon. I'm, I'm ready for them to drop that banner in the field house. Like Danny said, it's time to drop a banner. So, uh, there you go. I'm, uh, I'm going to come back for that. And I got to, I got to see that in person. I think that it'll set in then. It'll set in. Thanks for the time, man. Congratulations again, Mitch. And uh, best of luck in your future. I appreciate you, my guy. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks to Mitch for coming on. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, review. Uh, thank you to everybody who's been listening this season. I don't think we're done quite yet. I don't think we're ever going to be completely done. Uh, the frequency of these podcasts are probably going to decrease. I mean, they already have a little bit during the off season, but that's the beauty of winning a national championship is there is no wall that you hit where you don't want to keep talking about this team and this program. I mean, the recruiting stuff, I'm not super into it, but I think there's a lot we can do this off season. We got a lot of ideas percolating right now. So we're not done. We're not going to be quite done, but we may take a little bit of a reprieve. Who knows? We're working on a few things and uh, if we get those done, then hopefully have those to you in the next couple of weeks. But thank you so much for listening all season. Uh, that's it, man. Until next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.